0: United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast covering all aspects and all levels of the game. We love the United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by team snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the Association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show.
1: I am Dean Linky, and I'm super excited about this show as we try to give you different looks, different takes. For sure, being a coach is not always easy. In fact, one of the things they say, coaches get hired to get fired. It happens in the business. Wins are important, relationships are important, luck is important, finding the right place is important. Kelly Finley did amazing work at Butler and got a job at NC State, a dream job as he would say. After six years, he was let go. He's got five kids, beautiful kids. Talented kids. But what do you do? He goes out to Sporting KC, works in their academy program, then gets a call from Matt Spear, who coincidentally was on the show a couple weeks ago as he's now working with Soccer Resilience. Matt Spear was then at Davidson, becomes the associate head coach. Matt Spear decides to leave. He's very interested in that job, but Liberty comes calling. Kelly Finley is a Christian. His wife is a Christian. They're a Christian family. Liberty fit perfectly. Now his oldest son will start tonight Fort Liberty against the University of North Carolina in a game I'm calling on ACC Network Extra. Kelly Finley talks about his journey overcoming the devastating news of losing his job at NC State and getting right back on track and finding a home where he can coach and use his faith to lead young men. Kelly Finley, top man at Liberty, kicks it off. Then Will Udy, who is a six-time state champion at a prestigious Catholic school in Columbia, South Carolina called Cardinal Newman, the Cardinal Newman Cardinals. Three Gatorade Players of the Year have played for him. As I mentioned, six titles, and he's also a big time coach with South Carolina United FC with Rob Strickland and the gang. Will Udy has so many stories, including the fact that he's been a member with United Soccer Coaches for a long, long time, and those memories stick with him. Will Udy, and then two more members of our 30 Under 30 class, Aaron Lutz and Marco DeVito. That's our show, I think you'll like it, so have a good listen, and it all starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap.
0: Does managing your club or league feel like a second job?
1: And welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. As I told you, we're kicking off with an old friend to the association, an old friend to me, used to be part of the NSCAA look back that we used to do at the Dean Dome former coach at NC State great to reconnect with him where I'll see him tonight because tonight his team will take on the North Carolina Tar Heels and I'll have that call on ACC Network Extra with that setup. We're talking about a guy who had success at Butler had success at NC State spent some time at Davidson spent some time with Sporting KC and now is the top man at Liberty. That's right. It's Liberty North Carolina tonight on ACC Network Extra Liberty's top man kelly finley in the house kelly how you doing
2: good dean good to be here man good to catch up a uh, good relationship with you over the years and excited to go back to north carolina of course tonight and play and carlos is a good friend and uh, they're always a great team and love to play in that new stadium so excited about it
1: yeah i want to get to that friendship in a moment but i do want to remind everybody at one point we had the NSCA game of the week on Fox. And then for a while we were doing a weekly quote TV show from the Dean Dome and you were a coach at NC state. And I was able to bring you over there to be a part of that. Do you remember those days at all? I do. I,
2: I think you might've told me that I had a face for radio. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, but It was good. It was good. I do remember.
1: I know I tried to get you in the broadcast booth as well. We couldn't quite work that out, but Kelly, I really wanted you on to talk about your story because We have all these coaches now, you know, nearly 30,000 members. The audience for the podcast is booming. It's been incredible and a little extra boost off the digital convention. And there are coaches out there because of COVID struggling. There are coaches that are trying to find their way. And you're a testament to that. You know, I mean, sometimes coaches are hired to be fired. You got a raw deal at NC State, but you fought through that. We'll just leave it at that. You took a couple different jobs you knew you would get back to this point, but you also have five kids that I want to get to. So, I mean, you have to balance a lot in this business. So just talk about that journey, like being let go from NC State, how you found your way with your wonderful family.
2: Yeah. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Dean. I think, you know, coaching just like player development is never a straight line. You know, I I think whenever I was getting into coaching, people asked me, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? And, I always said I wanted to be at a place I was proud of, and a place where I thought I could win. Fast forward now, 20 years later, and I realized I want to be a place where I can develop players and people. And so I think for a lot of my career, I was a, a a player user. You know, I was using players to get my own success, to win, to get that next job, to make more money, to get accolades, championships, etc. But in over the last three to four years, I realized that really, what I really want to do is be a player and people developer so you know when i was at nc state i took that job when i was at butler i did develop people but it was you know ultimately to get that next job and then you get that acc head coaching job and you think you've made it and i got a wicked left turn when i got let go after six seasons Um, but in the end it was the best thing that happened to me and so just like player development sometimes you take a left or you take a step back to go forward and you know my experience at sporting i got to get on this elite french coaching license which was a huge blessing one of the most challenging insightful and best growth periods of my life. And if I wouldn't have gotten like go from NC state, then I wouldn't have had that chance. Uh, so, you know, and then I went to Davidson of course, had that experience there, which I love working with Matt Spear and just quality people at Davidson. And then Liberty was always a dream school. You know, I'm a Christian man and the opportunity to kind of meld my, my faith and, and soccer and, and uh, develop people all the way for me, it was huge. And so, Really, the way it all worked out and being here, I could have never planned it. But in my life, I think God directs my steps, and, and I'm excited to be where I am today.
1: Yeah, let's go deeper on the Liberty part, because I got my first real exposure two springs ago with Dot Richardson calling a softball game. Liberty was taking on UNC, spent extra time with Dot Richardson. She's a legend of the game. Her game is, is softball. And she spent extra time with me basically saying, you know, I could— be anywhere and she didn't mean that in a pretentious way that's not her style but she could right i mean she's got a legendary resume with usa softball and the like but she said because of her christianity there's only one place she wants to be and you know what she meant it i mean when liberty says they're a christian school they mean it and i want you to talk about that because mike lynch who heads the faith-based coaches accuracy group Did a five part series that really moved me. And it is more than just wins and losses. Yet they still win a ton of games, right? But they're growing as people.
2: Yeah. One of my favorite parts about Liberty and why it was really a dream school for me was that you could be excellent in athletics. Uh, They they have a really approach of excellence. Like there's there's no compromise. They want to do things really, really well. And you've been to campus, you see the facilities, you know, our staffs are fully funded. We have Full scholarships, equipment, you know, our student athletes get really, really taken care of, but we're also unapologetic in our faith. And and I think that that's important. You know, there's a lot of not to judge other places, but there's a lot of compromise happening and a lot of people shy away from that. And one of the reasons I was excited to work here, just like Dot said, is that you can do it with excellence and be unapologetic in who you are. One of the greatest challenges I had, I took over for Jeff Alder, who is here for you know, probably 30 years between playing, being an assistant and a head coach after the games, typically we play with the we, we pray with the opposing team. That's pretty intimidating to stand up there in front of a whole nother group and especially when you lose the game, to still pray for their safety as they go home, to stand in front of that group and tell them that the reason I coach at this school is because I have a faith in Jesus. That's a lot of pressure. But It's also an amazing opportunity, because you don't get to do that everywhere, obviously. So um, no, it's a perfect fit for me. And like I said, you know, my my path has been uh, full of lefts and rights and ups and downs and difficult times. But man, I feel like I'm so prepared to be where I am now. It's been an amazing journey.
1: I joke with you now, as we know what you are doing every couple of years is you have five kids separated by just two years, having a little fun with you. One of your kids, you talk about God shining down on you. He could be playing ACC soccer, but he came to you one day and said, Dad, I want to play for you at Liberty. I get to see him tonight. I'm super excited because I understand he's a baller, but that is, I mean, I coach both my kids in basketball. I still consider that my highlight and I've done some pretty neat things, Kelly. You got to be just over the moon.
2: Absolutely. It, it's, it's great. I mean, I get to see him every day. You know, I, I think John Kerr and Eric Nickel and there's a few other guys that, you know, I know well in the division one coaching uh, realm that um, have their guy, their sons play for them. And that's the best part is I get to see him. Otherwise I, I'd never get to see him play. It'd only be on video. I mean, I, if he was anywhere else, you know, I'd be driving down to see him play on a night where we don't play. Uh, but But it's better than that too. My wife comes to games and she gets to see her son play too. You know, my, My kids, my other siblings get to see him regularly. He comes home for, you know, Sunday night dinner. Uh, That's kind of one of our family traditions. So he comes home and we all get to be together as a family. So it's a huge blessing. And it's also helped me in my perspective. You know, you always say you want to treat your players like your kids and your sons and you want to develop them. But talk about a real tangible, you know, glimpse of that. And looking back on my career, I, I think I... Thought I looked at the guys as my sons and wanted to develop them, but now I have no choice. They all, I look at them and think, how would I treat my son? That's exactly how I want to treat them. So there's definitely more grace in my mind now, more personal development, more focus, more care for every guy. And it's really helped me be a better coach, I think, having them here.
1: I told you I wanted to talk about your kids because I only have two, but I've moved a few times to find the right spot, the sweet spot. After NC State let you go, you had to figure things out, and you went to Kansas City, then you went to Davidson, now you're in Lynchburg, and your kids, you know, they're two years apart, you've got, I think, three boys, two girls, girls can be tough as well, I was concerned about that, Kelly, just talk about their strength as uh, you've made some moves. I think the biggest thing is my my wife and I's
2: relationship, you know, we're going to be married 25 years this December, you know, I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that uh, achievement. Uh, I think, um, you know, divorce is common in this day and age. And so, and it's hard, you know, but my wife is is a great woman and she supported me in all these things. And we definitely prayed through these things. And, you know, moving from Davidson was not easy because the head coaching job came open there as well. I had interview opportunities at both places, but my wife and I prayed about coming here and she felt led as well. And, you know, when you have the support and a good, Foundation of you know the mom and dad have a, a healthy strong relationship. I think that you know gets a good foundation for your kids. And you're right, it was hard. I mean, for sure, coaching's hard. I mean, bottom line is you know you're judged by the wins and losses. And particularly this game of soccer, it's a nightmare. I mean, you can be better and lose, and um, you know, and worse and win. And so uh, it's a real challenge. And I think our kids have dealt with it incredibly well. Um, but I think the big thing is we have a good family cohesion and unit, and particularly my wife and I are strong in our relationship. And that's helped us kind of, you know, work through these ebbs and flows.
1: Share that strength with, and I'm thinking about a couple people that I was able to be in chat rooms with, or even work with during the digital convention that you know, really want to make it, they're coaching high school, they're coaching youth, they really want to coach at college, they can't decide whether being an assistant coach is the right role, and you know the importance of, you know, having great assistant coaches, and then you were the associate assistant under Matt Spear at Davidson. That's kind of a broad-based question but I want you to talk to these coaches that are struggling maybe coaches that are worried about being an assistant what's your message to them
2: my message would be that I think you can learn from every single experience I mean going out to sporting KC you know I was an academy coach I went from being a head division one college coach for almost 15 to 18 years and all of a sudden I'm coaching academy but you know I learned so much Um, I I learned from we we, John Perry I learned from the other guys on staff uh, that we had a guy named Michelle Ribeiro that was with Gank. That was probably, he, he coached Kevin De Bruyne, you know, so uh, just every little experience, if I could go back on my coaching licenses, you know, I, I was able to play USL. So I skipped to my B. If I could go back, I would take my C and I would do my B and I would do my A and just take every little piece of information I can put in. And sometimes as an assistant coach, you learn from, uh, you learn what you don't want to do from the head coach. And hopefully it's more what you want to do and you take little pieces, but you're adding things into your you know, so-called book, and every one of those experiences is something you can take and learn. So I think the idea of jumping to that head coach seems all good and seems like a dream, but sometimes you need those little layers and steps and lefts and rights to actually make you the coach you'll be in the future.
1: Fantastic answer. Let's now wrap up with a couple questions about tonight's game against the Tar Heels. You're right. The facility is incredible, but it was interesting for me to learn that you and Carlos Samuano are good friends. I didn't know that. And you've been friends for a long time. Talk about that relationship. Of course, Carlos, for all of our listeners is the top man at North Carolina.
2: Yeah. Carlos and I grew up about 20 minutes from each other and probably uh, he's older than me. I love to tell people that. So I think when we were seven and eight years old or something, we started playing against each other. And we played ODP, you know, back in the day, and and we ended up playing on the same club team. We had to drive about 45 minutes to an hour uh, up there. And uh, I always tell people this, Carlos is a terrible driver back in the day. I mean, I almost lost my life several times because of him, Uh, but all, all kidding aside, you know, great guy, I think he's an excellent coach. So yeah, we've had a good relationship. And ironically, we both ended up getting the NC State and UNC jobs the exact same spring. So it was kind of fun to coach against them regularly there and just have more interactions and live in the same area. We both worked at castle or NCFC and good relationship. And obviously we're excited about the game because they're a great team, great facility and good opportunity.
1: Yeah. So how does that work? Because you're friends and you're looking for games, particularly in this COVID time, like who caused who, how's that all happened Kelly to get this game in?
2: Yeah, I think Carlos is always good about that. I mean, I, you know, as long as our, uh, team is, is uh high enough RPI, you know, you, you can get games like that. So, but yeah, Carlos has always been good about coming here and going there. And, and um, you know, I think it does help to have good relationships with guys. You know I mean? i have working with George at, at uh, UVA and Virginia tech, getting to know those guys in a different setting has helped hopefully being able to get games for us in the future.
1: All right. Well, end with this, we know you've got the belief because you've got the man upstairs with you there at Liberty. And with that belief, what do you got to do right to, quote, upset North Carolina in their beautiful stadium?
2: Yeah, we just have to play for 90 minutes. I mean, I I think we've, you know, as much as, of course, you want to win games. I mean, you're in sports, right? And I know everybody talks about the process, but we're trying to get better at what we do. We're trying to impose ourselves on teams. And what we talk about a lot is closing the gap. You know, the gap against Carolina is going to be that they're probably going to be the best passing team that we'll have seen so far this spring season. So can we impose ourselves can we press well enough and can we close the gap between where we are against a better passing team and so you know one of our goals is to win the ball in the opposing teams half 15 times uh, in a game. And so can we do that against Carolina that'll be the gap and so those are big pieces can we just do our thing against a real real quality side.
1: All right, I'm going to let you end with a shout out to your son, who will see, I think, starting tonight and all of your kids' names so they know we're thinking about them.
2: All right, good. So Gabe, Lisi, Corey, Stephen, and Keen. appreciate all you guys' support over the years and dealing with a crazy coach dad who's always writing down game plans and lineups and everything else and traveling. So love you guys.
1: All right. Hey, I always say good things happen to good people. Kelly, you're at the right place. Good luck tonight against North Carolina. And thanks for kicking off this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks, Dean. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, Kelly Finley. As you know, on this program, we've often debated the merits of high school soccer and making sure that the top players have a chance to play both. I feel like we're seeing more of that. Coming up next, we'll talk to the longtime head coach for Cardinal newman School. It's a prestigious Catholic school located in Columbia, South Carolina. And he is also a big-time coach with South Carolina United, Rob Strickland and the gang. And he's been able to do both, win state championships at Cardinal Newman, and also do great things in the youth game, and also work with fellow high school coaches around him that are also tied in to the local youth soccer clubs. I like Will Udy, and I like his message. Will Udy, long time, by the way, longtime United Soccer Coaches member. He's proud of the association. He's proud to work as not just a coach, but an AD at a wonderful school, and also proud to work with an elite club in the state of South Carolina. Will Udy on the bounce. This is Dean Linky again, and I wanted to take a moment to salute all of the great people that made this year's United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention such a great success. I had the great honor of serving as one of the hosts and it was one of the best weeks in soccer I've ever had. With that, while the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention might be over, you can still get involved as we're just getting started. You can still register to receive access to all session recordings and the digital convention platform. Chat with your soccer coaching community and take in top level presentations from coaches around the globe, all at your own convenience. To register and receive access, visit UnitedSoccerCoachesConvention.org. That's right. You can still register for the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention and have access to all of the amazing presentations. I hope you can take advantage of the special offer. And again, visit UnitedSoccerCoachesConvention.org. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Great to spend time with Kelly Finley, who tonight Liberty will take on North Carolina. I'll have that call on ACC Network Extra. If you've listened to the program over the years, we have been open to the debate of high school soccer and youth soccer and why can't you do both. And I always like when I find a coach that has had success doing both. And that is the example today. A longtime member of United Soccer Coaches. We'll learn exactly how long in a moment, but I'm talking about Will Udy, who is not only the athletic director at Cardinal Newman, the Cardinals, which is a beautiful Catholic private school in Columbia, South Carolina, but he's been the coach there since 2006. He's won six state championships with Cardinal Newman, which is legit, including 2019 probably would have won last year during a COVID year and he's had three Gatorade players of the year that he's coached, which is pretty neat. Meanwhile, he has also been with South Carolina United FC for more than 10 years and was recently named the boys select director for South Carolina United FC. Perfect example of being able to do both things and be an AD dedicating his life to the game. We love Will Udy. Welcome to the program.
3: Hey, man. Appreciate you having me. I'm excited to chat with you today.
1: Yeah, I like your story, Will, because if you've listened to the program, you know that I've often said that I think they should do both. My kids were basketball players that played high school soccer, and I feel like they talk more about the camaraderie they had on the soccer team than all the games they won as basketball players. It means something. High school soccer means something to me. It clearly means something to you. Can you talk about your experience coaching high school soccer, please? Absolutely. I grew up
3: in Columbia, played at Brooklyn Casey High School for Kevin Heisey. We all grew up together in the same neighborhood and we were around him growing up and it was family. It was just what we did. It was a new sport almost at the time, you know, not too old. And we were successful. We were the first boys team at our high school to win a region championship in like 20 years. So it was a lot of excitement about it and the way we did things. We got a lot of respect because of how hard we worked and kind of took that stuff with me as I, as I grew as a, as a player and got fortunate to, to play at a small school here in South Carolina at Newberry College for a little bit. And then got an opportunity one night talking to Kevin. He asked me to come back and coach. And so I, I knew I wanted to be a coach. I coached in high school with my dad. Came back and I started my journey and I wound up in here at Carl Newman in 2006, you know, wanted to be a college coach, and my goal was to be here three years. And then, poof, I've been here 15 years. I'm the athletic director, and it's home, and lots of great stories and things of that nature. But, uh, yeah, it's an amazing thing. But as you say, they can coincide together. We have an unbelievable example of that here at South County United and, and with our local high schools where, you know, it's so much fun to get to the spring because, you know, everybody plays together, you know, during the year, you know, at different levels. And, You know, once the high school stuff starts, you get a lot of of talking and a lot of rivalries, a lot of banter, and it's it's a lot of fun. Our leadership between Rob Strickland and Lee Morris and Tomas and Matt Lugo and Dick Hiller and guys like that have have put an emphasis on making sure our club values community relations and community well-being and that we're the, the people's club and all that kind of good stuff. So, we Make sure that we try to, to do what's best for the kids and, and they love playing, they love playing for their school and it, it gives them a sense of identity. And you go to a club game sometimes at 8 30 in the morning, and it's it's mom and dad and the grandparents. You know, you go to a high school game at eight o'clock at night, and there's some games get pretty good crowds, you know,
1: and it's just a lot of fun for the guys. It gives them a sense of pride, I think. Having been on the campus of Cardinal Newman, I'm not surprised you get crowds. Obviously, we're dealing with COVID, so you probably have restrictions, but man, it's a really nice school. And I'm also not surprised that you said originally, hey, I want to be here three years, but it's so nice. Then they say, hey, we want you to replace the outgoing athletic director. So now it really is home, isn't it? And along those lines, I mentioned those three Gatorade Players of the Year. Tell us about those players as well and where they are now. Sure,
3: so I was really fortunate to have a principal, Jackie Kosprowski, Miss Kay. She is Assistant Superintendent of the Diocese now. And she just took me under her wing. And I was fortunate to come into the school with a bunch of parents from a club team. And they were pretty influential in the school at the time. And I went to her and said, hey, this is the path I'd like to go on. And she said, well, let's make a plan. Anybody that knows me, I'm not really a plan guy. I'm a a go guy. So it was a a tough thing. But went through the plan and made it. And and here now and been really fortunate to have a lot of good players come through. Our first Gatorade player of the year was Nestor Yaramillo, a very, very high-level player went on to play at Wofford for four years and is now in uh, our area working for a, a local home builders company doing that and is about to get married. Uh, doing well. I still see he's coaching a, he's coaching a U-18 for the club, so he's giving back. So he's doing super well. The next one was the year after, and that was Cody Miller. Uh, Cody had come through the Charleston Battery Program for Clark Brisson, was a U-15 national team guy and kept going the ranks and went to South Carolina for four years and played for Coach Burson there. And then his little brother, Wyatt, graduated in 2017 or 18. He played for uh, South Carolina United as well, played, started for the Battery, then transitioned over to South Carolina United. He is currently in the Naval Academy, playing for Navy, and is a senior, and is going to be, the best way I can describe it, he's going to be Goose. He's going to be a Naval Aviator and be a Rio and a, and a fighter pilot. So that's uh, that's really, really cool i uh, just been really fortunate to have a lot of good, good families and a lot of good players come through. And Grayson Barber just signed with Kansas City MLS, played at Clemson. I have another young man who is my 2010 captain who is um, in the seals, which is a really cool thing as a coach to have because he was one of our leaders here, and so it's just been a really cool
1: ride. Hey, I'm a big proponent of public schools. I love it, but I will say I went to Fremont St. Joe. It was the best time of my life. Kids went to Cardinal Gibbons, which is a you know massive Catholic school. school. Yeah, awesome school in Raleigh, so I, I do think that there's a, a lot to come out of a, a Catholic school. Obviously, I have a little bias there, but you feel it every day, right?
3: Oh, absolutely, and um, I'm, a, I'm a convert, so I'm not a cradle Catholic, so I'm, I've learned my way. I was Lutheran, so I was Catholic light when I came in, <laughs> and so everybody was like, hey, this fits you great, man. You need to really think about this as a life choice, and it was it was something that God put on me, and it was, it was really good, and then I met my wife, and she's Catholic, so that was the Everybody from my, my, my friends, my family, my grandmother. I have a really good friend who's a monk up in Pittsburgh, and we went to see him at one time, and he was like, hey, man, don't mess this up. And once he told me that, it was pretty much, okay, this is what I got to do. So it was a, it's been a neat thing for my life in general. Everything... I've had a lot of good things happen in my life, and a lot of it's because of Cardinal Newman and the families and people I've met here.
1: My story is identical. I was also a Lutheran and married a Catholic, and yep. grew up uh, with that uh, Catholic school system. So it's inc- incredible the parallels. Will I yeah. love? I love spending time with you. All right. Well, let's get into that debate as you. Think about what you do with South Carolina United FC and Rob Strickland. And at the highest level, what's the policy right now with those players? Are they able to play high school? Are they not able to play? Is it their choice? Is it not their choice? What's the deal there? So we
3: were in the development academy back in the day before it went 10 months when it was just you got to, you played your high school season and you tried to coordinate with with some games that were in the spring because on North Carolina's high school league and all that. And I was helping coaching that. And then when – I got the AD job that went no high school and I had to I took a step back because, you know, I'm a high school guy. You know, I just, I, I can't be, I can't do both. So we've then progressed into the ECNL league, well, national and regional now. And we try to do a good job of sharing. The guys are committed to the club program. That's a big deal for them to be in that because of the exposure and the coaching they get. And they, they get to play. Everybody's like, you know, all-stars, basically, right? Baseball has all-stars. We have club. They, everybody plays together. A lot of our high school coaches coach in the club. We all work well together. It's one of our biggest things is that we're all close. We're all friends. We're all about the same age group. And we're all really close, and so we have really good coaches that coach in the ECNL, from Danny Cates and David Kinga and Lee and Rob and a couple other guys. And the boys' side, we work hand-in-hand and just say, hey, listen, last Wednesday at training – you know, I got I'd take I'd take a big team because I believe that in high school everybody should be able to play. Everybody's got a role, but we shouldn't tr- we shouldn't cut too much because if a kid wants to be on a team and you tell them what their role is, they and they want to do it, you should let them do it. And so I had ten kids at practice, and I had eighteen doing ECL national, ECL regional practices because they had a game against Sisa, our big rival in Greenville on the weekend, they got pushed back because of COVID. For me to make the kids choose, is it right? You know, they can do both. We can make it work. They weren't at one session. They, I knew what they were doing. They weren't at home getting in trouble. They were training. So, okay, we make it work. It's just a lot of conversations. A lot of banter. Don't get me wrong. A lot of good humored nature of, like, who's, who's doing what, but it's a really good relationship between the club. The club does a great job with it. And the high school coaches, they understand everybody wants their ownership. Their season's starting. It's mine, you know, but we all work together. David Schroer's at a big high school. Jamie McClendon's at a big high school in Columbia. He's our junior academy director who's been at BUSA and Charleston Battery and everywhere else. I mean, we all, we get it. And so we work together. On the girls' side, we have a lot of girls that are at high level. And communication's the key and everybody being a little flexible. And when you're upset, you say when you're upset and, and the banner
1: flies and it's fun. I feel like maybe you've listened to this podcast at least one time uh, because I'm all about name dropping, and you're doing a great job saying so many names. I really like that so much. Thanks so much for doing that for sure, Will. And you're also a high-energy guy that has had incredible moments, six state titles, working with the club. I always ask about memories. Like, can you pin down your top two memories in all of your coaching and playing days? I
3: think that I'd rather – pinpoint like the relationships my relationship with my high school coach Kevin Heisey he has, has been amazing he helped me get to a point in life where him and his brother Kyle were just like family to me and took care of me and all that kind of fun stuff I think that coming into the club and being able to work with Clark Brisson and Rob Strickland off the rip was for my coaching education was unbelievable guys like Dick Hiller who were at the club helped bring me into the club were really good mentors. Coaching. Guys like Troy Lesane, who's now the head coach at you know New Mexico United. Just an unbelievable dude, you know, and just growing up with him and growing up with his family, just watching him progress through the ranks of playing for the Battery, playing for Charleston, coaching at Charleston – You know, being at Charlotte when they started and then going and being, running a pro club, is just, it's a really cool relationship. My relationship with my principal here at Cardinal M and Miss K is is something that I'll, you know, cherish. And and my new principal, Rob Loy has been, you know, come in and and said, hey, let's keep doing what you're doing. I got engaged after a game on the field and my team, like, (laughs) did a thing. We told my wife it was going to be a prom proposal and they all had cards and I have a bunch of nieces and nephews and they walked under like a little, like a tunnel and held up cards like, will you marry me? And the stands were full and everybody had a card. It was a really cool moment. So that one, and then um, our first state championship with uh, sharing that with my assistant coaches, one of which Benji Poston, I played with, pretty cool. I had a young man that worked with me at Cardinal Newman named Andrew Richardson, who is now the Associate Athletic Director at Heathwood Hall. It was a 30 under 30 member for the SCAA, which is cool. But the relationships with the players, and good times and bad. The bad times, I think a little bit more because of how close you become. And you lost a player, Charlie Torini, here at Carl Newman. And you lost another young man at a local high school named Corey Stringfellow. And, you know, the way the teams came together during those times, and we played after those passings and things. And it just – those are the memories that sit with you the most, I think, because you – you see what the team means to them, and what the family atmosphere means to them, and everything that you talk about that they kind of giggle about comes true at those moments. And I think those are the moments that you yeah, remember. The kids winning the Gatorade awards are, of course, big because they' something that they they strive for. Getting the phone call that you're, that you're you know, one of your guys that you're pretty close with is going to go be pro and you know do his dream. We got a kid from the club and from Carl here the other day, a freshman, Duncan Wilson, who just did a little contract with MLS Charlotte. Talking to him in the in the office and him going, what do I do? And I'm like, what do you what do you mean? What do you do? You know, what what do you want? He said, like, this is one of my dreams as a kid. Well, go do it, dude. Like enjoy it. Like yeah, go live the dream. And to see those things is, is a cool moment, you know. And and just everything you're doing is working out because it's for the kids. And the guys that I've worked with that I've been fortunate to be around, Rob Strickland, Lee Morris, all those names that I want to say because they deserve the, the you know the credit and make it fun for the kids year round. I'm in this office for high school stuff, but then I'm at the club office to do club stuff and to plan things for that. And we just have a bunch of good guys around here that love soccer and love the kids. And it's just, it's been amazing. The other good one was in 2013, we were playing powered prep and they had, it took me five years to win a championship, right? And so they beat us every year. And so we're going into this thing. All of our alumni are on the – it's at College of Charleston Stadium. They're all the alumni are on the bench. They've been in Charleston Friday night all night, and they woke up and came straight to the game. So they're rowdy as hell. And so I have Cody Miller, who's the Gatorade Player of the Year. He's going to Carolina, All-American, won every award you could win at an SAA, Club, All-American, academic All-Americans, all of it, right? We go up 2 nothing 10 minutes in. Well, on the second goal, we get a PK. Cody scores and runs to our thing. On the first goal – our entire bench did the Swedish Fish. They all flopped. And the referee came over and gave me a yellow card for not controlling my bench. Cody had two-footed a guy at the beginning of the game, got a yellow. He scores a penalty. This is 10 minutes in. Runs over to the crowd. Should be given a second yellow for leaving the field. Referee comes over and throws me out. Okay. Oh! Same championship, okay? I'm trying to get on the field. I'm telling the guys, settle down and play. Don't worry about me. Just play the game. Before I can get to the press box with Keith Wiggins up at Charleston, who's the head coach now, they score twice to tie it. We go to overtime. They score in the first 10 minutes of overtime on a corner kick, all right? We score with, like, three minutes left in the second overtime on a corner kick. Cody, maybe 30 seconds left. They get a free kick. They cross it all the way across the field to their best player. The kid that passed away, Charlie Torini, had gotten a concussion at the beginning of the game. Cody's little brother, Wyatt, a future Gatorade player of the year, is an eighth grader. He's played the whole game, okay? He's running out to mark him at, with the guys back to the 18. He's running to him. You see the guy turn and see little Wyatt, little dudes running at him. You see him relax. He turns into Wyatt. Wyatt takes the other way around him and steals the ball. Fast break from like three quarters of the field, him and Cody and another player of mine that played it, for Jack Sicker. And they're sprinting full ball, and there's one defender in the goalkeeper. Wyatt passes into Cody. Cody dribbles all the way down and scores. All right. And we win the game. They kick off, they blow the whistle, they win the game, it's over. It's nuts. And it is the most coolest story ever because I'm in the press box. All my assistant coaches give me a hard time because that's uh, the other memory. Because they're like, yeah, one of those don't count, man. You weren't even there. <laughs> That and getting engaged are my two.
1: Two more questions for Will Udy, the athletic director and head coach for the six-time state champion Cardinal Newman Cardinals. In fact, he coached six of those. They probably won a lot more. And he's also the boys select director for South Carolina United FC. And most importantly, Will, part of the reason the draw was, I told you the tie in between high school and youth and that harmony. But You said right off the bat that you have been a longtime member of the association. Just talk about what drew you to it and what you enjoy most about it
3: been a member since 1998 and that's when i started coaching back at my high school at brooklyn casey with kevin i'm going to drop more names here just because i owe it to them but the old school guys the original guys you know the, the william jose's the dickie smiths from tl hannah frank rattle hoover who was at east side and coach Savits and at, at irmo and river bluff and kevin and kyle and charlie mayfield and you know there's matt brophy there's a ton of names that When I came in, they were like the icons, the legends. And like you read all, you know, back then you read it in like the kicking around newsletter or like soccer scene or whatever it was. You hear all those guys' names and they won like 600 games and they won these state championships. And meeting William Jose for the first time, you know, you're thinking you're going to meet this dude that's six foot five, like, you know, and then it's it's little William and it's like, cool, because he sits and talks to you and tells you how to do things and how coaching works. And Dickie Smith, you know, took me under his wing and just – learning things about radio and Hannah and about how football legends and things of that nature. And his friends with you know, Dan Brooks, who's a legendary football coach, the coach of Tennessee and Clemson, you know, and just listening to all those stories. And I'm going to forget somebody, I'm sure, but you got brought into it to that. And then you go to the conferences and you're sitting with, I'll never forget we were at a, a party where I'm sitting with John Harks and Tony Miola. And man, I wanted to get an earring in high school. And my mom said, no. And then she met Tony Miola at a sports thing. I was like, yeah, you can get an earring now, you know I mean, <laughs> Just kind of cool to be in the same room with those guys, you know, and later on being in places where you met and Dorrance at a, at a coaching convention and you meet him again at a What Drives Winning conference. And, you know, you're like, it's gone full circle where, you know, now you're trying to do those things. And it's it was just really opening welcome, and learning. And I never forget sitting in a conference with Becky Burley the first time I ever heard her talk about leadership. And it was like, OK, I'm in. This is it, you know. And since then, I can call her on school issues, you know, leadership things, not just for soccer, but for like basketball. And like I was hiring a girls basketball coach. We have an unbelievable basketball program, girls basketball program. We have a top 10 girl in the country who can dunk in a game. I mean, she's unbelievable. Ashlyn lockin she's awesome. And during that process, I had to call Amanda Butler, who used to be the head coach at Florida. And the connection was, you know, one of the connections was a friend of mine here. And one of them was Coach Burley at Florida. And those connections met because in SCAA, you know, you got to sit in a room with them and ask questions. and. I don't see that a lot at other places, to be honest with you, other sports, to be honest. So it was was just neat to be around those type of people.
1: That's a great way to tell your passion for United soccer coaches. And I like people that wear it on their sleeve and have passion for things. I want to end with this, Will, because you understand the power of your position. A coach has power. They have power to use it the right way. They have power to use it the wrong way. Now more than ever, coaches have to use it the right way because We're dealing with a pandemic. We're dealing with social injustice. We're dealing with a heated political climate. It's not great out there. So I feel like sometimes coaches, even ADs, have perhaps a bigger role than even parents do. I think you get that. So with that, just tell me how you cherish that role and maybe what your message has been to these young men and women that are really dealing with a lot. I worry about their mental Health right now for kids. I'm so glad my kids are almost out of college. To be honest with you, because I feel like they got lucky. But these other kids that you see every day, man, they're in the middle of a, a blank storm. If you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, and so here, so what we've been doing at, at Cardinal
3: Newman, and we've had an unbelievable support from our diocese and our administration. Like I said, our, our, we have a new principal in the second year, Mr. Loya, Rob Loya, and. He's from up in New Jersey at Morris Catholic and lots of good sports up in that area that that, that the conference he was in. And, you know, he's been really supportive of athletics and we've been really lucky both club soccer and our athletics have gone pretty much a little bit different with tweaks of being social and all that kind of social distancing and things, but we've gone, we, we played all year. We've had a couple of different breaks in winter, but for the most part, we've gone and continue to go. But what I've really tried to talk to coaches about when I've talked to them, you don't want to micromanage them right now because there's so much pressure on them just to keep the sports going. Little friendly reminders, but the kids just have to know you love them. And it goes in normal time or not normal time. If the kids know you genuinely care about them, you can coach them as hard as you want as long as you're giving them positive feedback and putting their arm around them, right? So like my lessons that I've learned from my high school coach, And the the guys that coach high school is those relationships are normally driven on. I want more from you. I love you. You know, this is what I, you know, I care about you and you can, you can tell a kid what you need to tell them as long as they know you love them. Right. So what we've tried to focus on is, you know, if you're going to give a negative, you got to give three positives is what I've been telling my team. Right. And we've been really focusing on that because there's a lot of negative right now. You can't go hang out. We can't have fans. You can't do this, but we get to play. Last year, we didn't get to play. We sacked our season after five games, four games, right? So we're getting to play. So that's a positive. So what we're focusing on within the team right now is if you're going to give a negative, that's great. You're going to have to give a negative because we got to have leadership and things like that. But when you do, make sure you're going back and giving three positives. If you give a real bad negative, you might have well to give five. You know, you got to at least put your arm around somebody for up a second with your mask up and say, hey, it's okay. We'll make it better. But that's kind of what we've been talking about here. You know, we want to make sure that we're here for the kids, that sports is important, that if you need us, we're here. At the end of the day, we want to we want to hunt, you know, to steal from my football coach. We want to hunt the good, and we want to try to stay as positive we can, and it has not been easy. But that's kind of what our, our goal is to do, is to stay positive, and, you know, we've been able to do that. And we're in the middle of state basketball playoffs. The girls are leaving now to go to, to uh, an hour away for the state tournament. The boys play tomorrow at 4 so we're, we're looking forward to that run. And then, you know, spring sports getting full, full kick next week. So we're excited. season uh, no just took a break last week from the club. So we're excited about that. We're planning for our, our Bantams summer program for our U23s and our, our US, uh, USL Academy teams. We're planning for those now. And our Bantams summer program, we're planning for that. So if uh, you're listening to this and you're in our area, check us out for the summer. If um, you're looking for a, a good Catholic school here in the, the South Con area,
1: come check us out at Cardinal Newman and love to show you around. Will, I'm so glad that uh, you took the time to answer that last question and I'm so glad that uh, you welcomed the opportunity to, to come on because you cover so many bases and you do it in such a passionate way. Will Udy, thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. It's been a pleasure. Hey man, appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And we wrap up this week's show meeting two more members of our 30 Under 30 class. Up first, Aaron Lutz followed by Marco DeVito.
0: College coaches, make sure your program is registered for the 2020-21 College Services Program. While the 2020-21 season looks much different than any of us anticipated, we are committed to providing benefits for college services members year-round. The College Services Program supports and promotes the college game, including rankings and awards for participating programs, regardless of when your season is played. For more information or to register your program, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org college.
1: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. Dean Linke here with you. And if you listen to the program, you know how much I enjoy getting to know all of the members of our 30 under 30 class. And we're working our way through all 30 yet again. We got all 30 done last year. We're going to get all 30 done this year. That walks us up to Aaron Lutz, who joins me now, Aaron. thanks for being on the program.
4: Yeah, thanks so much for having me.
1: Aaron. I always enjoy talking to people out in Oregon. I think people in Oregon live life the right way, beautiful state, so that's where you are right now. Walk us through your entire career, where you played youth, I know you went to Lewis and Clark, the Pioneers, D3, where you were a forward, and what you've done after that, so don't miss anything, and don't be afraid to drop some big names in there as far as mentors along the way, okay?
4: Yeah, for sure, Um, so grew up in San Diego, California, played high school there and I played club for a few years early on and then ended up playing competitive basketball at some point in middle school. So that kind of led me down one path for a bit and had some good times, won, won some nice things. And then just kind of thought about soccer again my sophomore year and thought, okay, I, I really miss this sport. I really miss you know, being outside in sunlight and not just like in cold gyms all the time. So decided to transition back to soccer and played the last three years just in high school and kind of worked on my own, got into strength and conditioning and had a really, a really great mentor at my high school in my strength and conditioning coach. That was actually my first coaching position was helping out with our strength programs in the summers. So I worked with him and kind of just, you know, followed along. And a lot of the student athletes that he has that comes back, a lot of them are, you know, phys majors of some kind who do some sort of relevant work with strength and conditioning. And I majored in history just kind of randomly. And I was just like, hey, like, I kind of just want to hang out. Like, I like this environment, just kind of want to be like around you, around kids, around coaching. So the obsession began. Essentially, did that through the summers, had access to the gym to be able to do my training for college. So, played four years at Lewis and Clark, had a really great experience just kind of learning about what D3 is and how beneficial it can be for student athletes. Overall, like it was a really great experience to kind of one, be able to do the things that I wanted to do major in history, do something completely not super relevant to what I ended up doing now. But um, at the time, the the intention was to graduate college, coach high school soccer or some equivalent, and also become a teacher. So that's kind of where that whole background came from. And a lot of the history teachers that I had at my high school were actually all sports coaches at my high school. So I kind of had these many different examples of these these different people who found a way to, you know, pursue multiple different passions. So Fast forward a couple years, so end of college, I started working for Soccer Shots here in Portland, Oregon, so that's like the little, little kids, the two through, I think the oldest is like eight now, but it was mainly two through five kids, so that was my first like professional like get-paid-to-coach job, and first soccer-specific, so that was a really short stint, but a really great stint, so it was just my last semester while I was in college, so it was a nice little transition you know you take less classes that last semester so filled the extra time which was really great and also just got to meet some really cool people and kind of along that journey I met my current DOC at Southside Ducho and we kind of just hit it off right away and we were very similar in kind of just our thought process of what youth sports should be and kind of where it's been, where it's headed. And we're on a similar timeline right now. He's one license ahead of me currently. So it's it's kind of nice to have, you know, someone who is going through all of this stuff actively as a DOC, but at the same time, like he comes from a, a semi-professional playing career in Italy. So it's like, you are very knowledgeable about the sport and, you know, the game as culture because that's what it is in most countries outside of the US. So trying to bring that into our club and like spread that kind of idea in our community where it's like, this is like part of our identity is, you know, the soccer in our community. And this is how we would like to help build our community and eventually, you know, be able to build a development program that comes out of this very large rec club is essentially what the majority of the club is. And then we have a competitive side, which we're growing out of that. So kind of bridging those two things. So in between all of that, um, I've had some opportunities, you know, coach ODP, Thorns RTC, which is basically just like a year-long training program that we do with the pre-ODP age groups. Now I'm working with the pre-academy as well, just as a staff coach, coach high school. I'm not teaching. Okay. So just doing pretty much all soccer-related things full-time that kind of conglomerates into a full-time gig. Yeah, I know my first head coaching position was as a JV2 head coach for Tigard High School, and this year I'm just working with the varsity team. Now I'm also going out to McMinnville, Oregon, to go to one of the rival schools that I played when I was in college, and I'm now helping them as an assistant. So that's Linfield College. So, swimming, yeah, all
1: right. yeah.
4: In the purple, <laughs> where I can, yeah. But so, it's um there's a lot going on all the time with me. I'm constantly driving to a training session, which it actually it snowed here this weekend, and there's yeah. still snow on the ground outside. Yeah, it's snowed that,
1: everywhere. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that just
4: never happens in Oregon. So. But, you know, just kind of a little bit all over the place. But um, my goal going into coaching, once I figured out, like, okay, this is, like, I want to at least give this a shot and see what a career in this would look like, that's kind of when I assigned the goal, like, I want to work in a college setting. So it's nice that I'm able to kind of get a foot in the door there. And I actually kind of came about the opportunity this time last year, the head coach, and assistant AD out there, Steve Simmons, he was my d license instructor. So all good things.
1: Yeah, I like that you're doing lots of things. I like to do lots of things. So I always admire people that, you know, to me, the more that I have on my plate, the happier I am. And it sounds like you're wired the same way. Another thing that I like about you is, you know, I'm the father of two boys, 23 and one about ready to turn 21. And they have become the best of friends. And as a father, it's been awesome to watch. And as I was doing some research on you, I noticed that you said your biggest inspiration is your brother. I don't know if you still feel that way, but uh, you certainly wrote it down. And uh, I like that answer. Tell yeah. us why.
4: He's just such a hardworking person. And like he does it so quietly. Like His business is just his business. And he's just so sweet and just a genuinely kind person. But I mean, we have very like kind of opposite athletic careers, which is kind of funny. Like for me, it was like, okay, like, yes, I know that like, I want to play sports. He always knew that he wanted to play sports. So um, maybe not exactly opposite, but for me, the second child, things kind of came a little bit more from like natural athleticism. And for him, it was like this desire to play baseball. And he was so in love with it and still is so in love with it. So he just was like, if I wanna do this, I'm gonna have to work extremely hard. And he's kind of the first person that I've known super close to me that just was like, this is my goal. He put his head down and a lot of stuff did not work out for him and he he transferred twice. He applied to schools, thought he was gonna go, ended up deciding, no, like I can do better than that, turned down scholarships, all this stuff. And then one day he just like comes into the living room and he's like, I got into Cal Berkeley. Like just on his own, no baseball, just this guy who, you know, in high school, like was not an honor student just had to work extremely hard to you know get a foot in the door at most of the schools that he wanted to talk to about baseball and he's just like I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go to Cal and I'm just gonna walk on like whatever so he goes he goes to Cal graduates as a baseball player he played one season that was the eligibility that he had left and you know in between all that time went to a junior college and did extremely well there had amazing grades while he was there I think he had almost a perfect 4.0 at a junior college which when you're playing a sport and like getting up at 5 a.m every day I'm like I don't know how you do this but like just while I was still in high school seeing him sit at our living room table and like do complex algebra equations and then be like all right I gotta go play baseball now and I'm like (laughs) dude and then like decides he wants to go back to a division one school and walk on for the second time in a program where he's just like, Hey, like I got admitted for January term and yeah, no, he's just such an interesting guy. And I mean, he, he wrote a book in the last two years,
1: what's the book called? And what's your brother's name?
4: His name's Ian Lutz. Um, I don't know what the title of the book is actually Mm -hmm. called, but he is both a journalist and a fiction writer. So he he's helped my dad with a couple writing projects as well, but yeah, I know he's just, he's like me. He has lots of different things that he likes to do and keeps himself occupied, but
1: yeah. True I'm inspiration. Excited. Yeah. yeah. True inspiration. When you think of inspiration in women's sports, women's coaching, maybe women's soccer, maybe it's a player on the U S women's team who are some inspirational women that have helped you along the way, whether, you know, with one-on-one contact or just admiring what they've done.
4: I think for my generation growing up, Mia Hamm and kind of, you know, that 99ers group, that was the first kind of class of players that we were really introduced to. And I mean, on a world stage, I think for everyone that was kind of, this is women's soccer. And, you know, these are the faces of it. Um, The first game that I remember watching was the 2004 Olympic final. So I just remember being so into it and following along with, you know, what everyone was doing at that time. And, you know, then there was kind of a lull in talking about the U S women's national team for a number of years. I think again, until, um, maybe it was, that was the 2003 Olympics, whatever the, it was somewhere in the early two thousands. I was in like first or second grade, something like that. But then, um, again in the Beijing Olympics and the World Cup that was the In year. Canada
5: 2015 yeah yeah
4: yeah so it was like those two kind of events and it was like the the up-and-coming star of like Hope Solo and Alex Morgan and Pino and like all oh, of these wow. players and you know it's just their their stories as individuals that have just kind of like blossomed over the last couple of years have just I think made the group itself a very interesting group of like females to look up to and then also just their, their playing careers are just incredible. I mean, I I was at the Thailand game in France in 2019. And I was just like, this is an absolute (laughs) clinic, obviously, but it's like, you look at the work that they had to put in over the last, you know, 20 years, just to get a program that's like, we're out on the front foot all the time. And we're going to be the people in the team that you know, leads and decides to change the game for the better and not just like on the field, like it's in every aspect. So I think it just, it opens up the game to a lot more diversity in the player population, but also with that, I think there comes a demand for the same to be reflected in the coaching population. So just kind of things like that, where you have to think about like, okay, like, are we truly representing our player population and reflecting that? in our coaching population. So for me, like looking at the coaches that I had, a lot of them, I think probably 99% of them were males and they were, you know, about my dad's age. So, which is, I mean, great, fine, wonderful, but it's very hard to have those reflective or kind of symbiotic experiences. So for me, that's kind of where the drive comes from and, you know, always going to be player-centered player first but you have to kind of take a step back and look at the big picture and just kind of say like okay like what are we trying to do here and what what programs or you know national federations have been successful in helping raise up female coaches and you know is it something that we either can a replicate or do better.
1: I do have to go back to this history degree though, because I actually don't consider it a throwaway degree. I'm always fascinated by young people that care about our history because in today's world of social media, there's not enough of that. So if I were to put you on the spot as we wrap up our final question, what uh, historical moment has moved you the most or something that you kind of take with you as part of your schooling?
4: A lot of the, the studying that I did in my large projects, my research studies, was focused around armament conflicts. So uh, World War II arms race, naval arms race, stuff like that. But um, the things that I find impactful are, you know, the, the figures that come out as leaders. And that's kind of been a theme in my coaching career as well. Like you look at, you know, conflicts like that and kind of the conflicts that they're related to, but I did a lot of in-depth research about Winston Churchill and, you know, just kind of how he was as a person, just absolute character, but then the way that he's talked about as a leader as well. And, you know, I think it's just kind of interesting how people are first remembered then, when they're revisited and now there's, you know, you could come up with a million and one reasons why Winston Churchill was not a good person now. And a lot of people probably would, but like, it's just, I find history to be very interesting just cause, you know, we're seeing it now in a time where we're going back and we're rewriting some of it. Yeah. And for me, I kind of, I, I take things with a lot of, you know, here's the grain of salt that you need with every historical fact, because there's always the, oh, well, yes, this was really good. But in a lot of contexts, I mean, I think we've kind of all come to understand over the last 9, 10, 11, 12 months, that a lot of what was beneficial for humanity, what we mean to say is it was beneficial for this, you know, dominant gender, this dominant race. Over time, we've kind of had to adjust our narratives and our understandings of one of the great clips. I forget what it's from, but it's um, a movie or TV show clip. And it's this professor explaining like why America isn't the greatest country in the world. And it's just like a lot of people, I think had that moment where they're just like stunned and they're just like, you know, if you read history, like, and you understood what it was saying, I mean, you would realize it wasn't always great for everyone. Like it's not this, you know, perfect thing. In my mind, I'm like, this is really perfect idea. And we're trying our best to execute it. And I think the more that, like in coaching, the more that we can kind of reflect our player population or our, you know, human population and our leaders, I think the better we'll be able to do so and better be able to serve our communities.
1: Deep thoughts with Aaron Lutz. We went deep there, Aaron. Thanks so much for uh, going deep with me. Dean Linke, this is the United Soccer Coaches podcast with 30 Under 30 superstar Aaron Lutz. Aaron, good luck to you. Thanks for being with us. Thanks as well. We come back, we meet fellow 30 Under 30 member Marco DeVito after this message.
0: High school coaches are presented unique challenges both on and off the field of play. The United Soccer Coaches High School Diploma, now delivered in an all online format, supplies coaches with the knowledge needed to perform the distinctive role high school coaches play in the development of young players. This updated diploma takes a look at the ongoing duties of the high school coach and how to better prepare them for the responsibilities given to them in that position. For more information or to register, go to unitedsoccercoaches.org education. Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit QuickGoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs.
1: Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by TeamSnap. I'm Dean Linke as we get to meet another outstanding member of our 30 Under 30 class, Marco DeVito, coming to us just outside of Boston. Marco, welcome to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by TeamSnap.
5: Dean, thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, tell everybody what you're doing right now. What is your job in soccer right now, Marco?
5: I'm actually in three different roles. My main job is I'm the men's graduate assistant at Anna Maria College, right outside of Worcester. That's a small D3 school. I'm also the associate head coach of UWS2 side, the Worcester Smiles, their reserve team. This is going to be our inaugural year. Last year was supposed to be our first year, but that got canceled. So we're looking to get on the field. I think the plan for right now is early May and also just picked up a a U9 team to, to help out with as well.
1: All right, cool. Hey, I'm about mentors and memories. So let's start with mentors. Who are some key people that helped you along the way? Don't forget your mentor that's part of the 30 Under 30 program. Let's drop some names here, Marco. (laughs) All
5: right. So as a coach, I'd say my biggest mentor that I've had so far is um, a guy named Perry Gaffore. He's the girls director from a club team that I first started coaching at Mass City. He's really been a a good person to just help me along the way in terms of like the the club scene and what the, the do and do nots in the, in the, the coaching worlds. My 30 under 30 mentor right now is Jen Pfeiffer. I'm down in Alabama. Hopefully I get a chance to meet her, but yeah, I'd say those two, especially Perry is the the person that I've been in most contact with and my biggest mentor so far.
1: All right, let's keep dropping names, but in this case, it might be clubs and colleges, but Tell us what club you played for as a youngster. Did you play in college? If not, no big deal. Where did you go? And then what have you done before you arrived at the point where you are right
5: now? Okay, so as a kid, I sort of stuck in the, the, town, the town scene playing just uh, with my rec league team up until probably high school. And then I sort of jumped around from, uh, from club to club. I never found the right fit, so to speak getting a bunch of concussions didn't help either. <laughs> so my my competitive career sort of ended when I graduated high school. But that was also a good thing in a way where I was able to focus on my academics when I enrolled at Siena College up in Albany. I started off as an education major. I wanted to be a history teacher. About halfway through that, I decided to scrap the education bit and get into politics, started interning at the both the, the Capitol building in Albany and the state house in Boston. And when I graduated, I was looking to get into politics before I even knew I wanted to be a coach. And uh, I got a little frustrated, not able to find a job right away. So I figured, you know, soccer has been a huge part of my life. Started helping out with local club. Like I mentioned before, mass city sort of on an intern basis, just picking up cones, filling in for sessions here and there got offered a full-time role a year later with them coaching a U10 team a U13 team and a, and a high school team. So I got kind of thrown in the deep end with that, which was super beneficial to me kind of just picking up. So I've been, you know, taking the grassroots courses. I've tried to do a lot of coaching education. So I finally was able to put it into practice with my own teams. Following that experience, I got name dropped Terry Ransberry, Uncle Terry, who's the co-founder of um, the Accelerator Schools, which is a uh, online based uh, platform that I was able to move to Spain actually for a year. Got involved with that, FC Malaga City, also as an intern, just helping out coaching here and there with uh, their U17 team. Following that, I was able to pick up the role that I am in now at Anna Maria College.
1: So, do you understand that Terry Ransberry is one of my dearest friends? I live in Chapel Hill. He used to live in Chapel Hill. He just moved out. He's a proud Duke guy. I'm, I'm none of the above. I'm actually from Ohio, but I've known Terry Ransbury long before he did the accelerator school. And I honestly consider him one of the smartest human beings I've ever met.
5: No way. What a small world. I always knew the coaching world was small, but I guess everything else involved with it as well.
1: Do you agree with that sentiment? How smart that guy is though?
5: Yeah. I mean, just based off the accelerator school thing that he's, that he's started get off the ground. He's definitely filling a void. That's that isn't really available other than, you know, the, the 1% of, um, academy teams in terms of how much practice they can get but yeah every time i talk to him i learn something new i have to touch base with them again and let them know that i've been talking to you
1: yeah please do that's just the tip of the iceberg i mean this man and his people created like something that you can put into human beings to save lives and he's patented so many like amazing things i mean the guy is absolutely brilliant so there's a lot more layers to him than just the accelerator school the guy is is brilliant in every form so please do when you get a chance circle. Yeah, I've back
5: never known him. that. I didn't know that he was involved in all that stuff. I only know oh. him from from the accelerator school stuff. That's Oh hilarious. yeah,
1: he's the guy's a genius and he's a big time wine connoisseur as well. I mean, he's just uh, so many great stories and he's got Uber successful kids and a and a great wife. But, you know, look, you said politics, so this is the, you know, do I dare say anything about this? And you can just say no comment, but in today's world, the political climate is absolutely nuts. I mean, how wired in are you on today's political world since you said you wanted to maybe work in
5: politics? Not at all. The the soccer world is political enough for me, man.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like that answer. All right. Well, what made you want to decide to apply for 30 Under 30? And when you heard that you were a part of it, who was the first person you called?
5: So like I said, I just got this um, graduate assistant job at Anna Maria College. uh, And over the summer, I went to an ID camp recruiting. I overheard a past 30 under 30 member. I can't pronounce his last name, Evan. He's the head coach at Sarah Lawrence in New York. But I heard him over talking to another assistant coach about it. How great of an opportunity is, you know, I jumped in on the conversation and asked him a bunch of questions, end up applying to the job. I got it. And uh, the first person I call was my girlfriend and she She couldn't believe me at first. And then I I forwarded her to the email and she's like, wow, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, then i talked to my parents about it. Then I called my two references and yeah, everyone was over the moon for me. Great
1: answer. And I actually appreciate your non-answer on politics. As you mentioned soccer, you know, one thing about United Soccer Coaches that I do like, and I'm sure there's politics involved even at the association, although I don't see it. I love everything about it. I especially love the fact that they open their arms to everybody. doesn't matter whether you're man, woman, what color you are. I mean, all of that stuff. And then to continually find 30 great members, 15 men and and 15 women i mean united soccer coaches has been fantastic for me how's it been for you
5: yeah so honestly uh, this is my first year as a member um I, I follow them on social media and all the stuff that they do on the outside but this is my first year as a member of it but just based on last month's convention i mean you guys did one hell of a job putting it all together and it ran as smoothly as it probably could have considering that all the all the holes you probably had to um hoops you had to jump through to get it (laughs) off the ground but that just made me want more for next year and actually go to Kansas City is it in person that's right
1: yeah well I I hope to uh yeah make sure you find me on podcast row because I'll interview you in person if you've listened to any of these interviews I always ask a tough one and that's the crystal ball question and I know it's not that easy but you know where do you picture yourself 10-15 years from now Marco
5: yeah, it's a really hard thing to answer, and it's probably not the best answer at all, but I, I really don't know. Right now, I'm just really focused on the, the process of becoming a better coach and expanding my network, and you know, in 10, 15 years, hopefully, I'm, I'm still involved in soccer full-time because a lot of people that I know, actually, I've are, are, been getting burnt out from it. For, again, I might be getting into the politics aspect of coaching, but I wish to still be involved full-time, whether that's at the college level, youth game, professional game, I really just want to be a part of it as well, uh, you know, for as long as I can, honestly.
1: Well, the fact that uh, you had already tied in Terry Ransbury in the Accelerator School, that means that you have a great interest in helping young minds. On this show, whether I'm talking to a 30 or 30 member or somebody as famous, Alexi Lalas, I'm concerned for our young kids as they continue to deal with this COVID and the stops and starts. I'm concerned about their mental health because this is not easy, right? Our kids can be fragile in your role you affect young minds please tell me you take that seriously particularly particularly as we deal with this pandemic
5: yeah it's a tough one because as a coach you always want to you know push your players forward and try to help them as best they can on the field but you have to remember that before they're soccer players they're you know their kids are are young adults and you can't forget that especially nowadays so What I really try to do, you know, before the pandemic, I used to start every training session as the players walked in, I would shake their hand and just ask them how they were doing. Uh, I picked that up from somewhere. I don't know where, but um, I found that that really helped them let them know that I cared about them, not just as players, but as people ask them about their girlfriends or their kids ask them about their school day. And now with the pandemic going on, you know, I obviously can't shake their hands, but I still try as best I can to, to let them know that I'm thinking about them, even with my mask over my face and let them I'm smiling and I do care about them. And yeah, like you said, with the pandemic and everyone's uh, mental side of things, it's it's really important to, like I said, not to forget that they're people first.
1: Well, and it's also important to remember your family. I see that name DeVito. It sounds like a good, strong Italian name. I'm not sure, but just confirm that and tell us uh, where the DeVito family is right now.
5: You're correct that I'm, I'm Italian. My dad was born in a small town outside of Avellino, which if you watch The Sopranos, that's where Tony Soprano is from. Okay. Um, which if you don't know where the Avellino is, it's right outside of Naples. So from the south. And my mother's uh, parents were born in a small town outside of Messina, Sicily. So yeah, I'm, I'm a dual citizen. I go, I tried to get to Italy every single year to, to see my family that's still over there. Yeah, I mean, they got hit pretty hard by the pandemic. And thankfully, no, one's, no one in my family has been affected too adversely. But yeah, it's down... <laughs> As, as bad as we're handling it over here, they're they're struggling just as much over there. So your favorite
1: club in Italy and your favorite player of all time is how we'll end it, Marco.
5: Okay, so AC Milan is my club. After 10 years of of uh, <laughs> despair, we're finally starting to pick it up a little bit. And my favorite player, I got to go with Pippo Inzaghi. He, he loved to score goals. And every time he scored, he acted like he just won the World Cup, which he obviously did in 2006. But even when he scored... <laughs> other goals. He, he acted like he just won. He was on top of the world and that's the joy that I want to bring to my players too. All
1: right. Well, you brought me a lot of joy, particularly name dropping Terry Ransbury, such a small world. I was actually texting back and forth with Terry just a couple of days ago as he was down in Florida, looking at another project down there. So I'll tell him hi, you tell him the same. And let me just say one more time, Marco DeVito, it's an honor to have you as a member of our 30 under 30 club and an honor to have you on the United soccer coaches podcast presented Team Snap, Thanks for joining
5: us. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to maybe doing this again.
1: All right. Small world all the way around was a familiar theme in today's show. I want to thank Kelly Finley, the top man for the Liberty men's soccer team that will take on North Carolina in Chapel Hill tonight on ACC Network Extra. Also want to thank Will Udy, who's a great high school coach and a club coach down in Columbia, South Carolina, and our 230 under 30 members cheers to Sean Chevro and Bailey Conklin and all the great folks at United Soccer Coaches, our outstanding producer Colin Thrash for each and every one of them and all of you. I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap.
0: Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit UnitedSoccerCoaches.org and TeamSnap.com.